This is Side of Design from BWBR, a podcast discussing all aspects of design with knowledge leaders from every part of the industry. Welcome. Today, in honor of both Women's History Month and our continuing celebration of BWBR's 100-year anniversary, we're taking a deeper dive into what it's like to be a woman in this industry and at this firm how that experience has been shifting over time and some areas where progress is still is still needed. I'm Stephanie McDaniel, President and CEO of BWBR and your host for this episode. Joining us for the discussion today is current BWBR interior, interior designer, Nan Langevin, current principal, Terry Ulrich, and retired principal, Catherine Leonidas. Thank you all so much for joining us. Let's, let's jump right in. First off, Catherine, can you tell us a bit about what the industry and the firm were like when you first started your career? Sure. And, and uh, just to put, put a little framework to it, I graduated from the University of Minnesota in 1980. And in my graduating class, and I had to go out to Cala's website just to, to find this out, but there were 13 women who graduated with, in my class. Um, which, and, and I looked only at the pre-professional degrees, B-Arch, M-Arch, because that was what was offered at the time. Um, so 13 women, that represented about 11% of the graduates. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah. To put a little perspective to that, you know, from 1978 through 86, they were in the teens. So, you know, just give you a little perspective of, of what that is. Of course, now it's much higher. Um, and again, that doesn't always necessarily mean how do women advance through the profession. And, and again, this is memory. So I, I've never, I haven't done any statistics on this one, but I started at BWBR in 1981. And uh, if I recall correctly, I think there were about 35 people on staff. And if I take out what I would say are the traditional support staff, the front desk, the secretaries and, and the like, and sorry, Nan, if I take out interior designers who at that time were really, there were women and they were really not thought of as much as they are today of the professional staff. Yep. Then we had about 20% women. Hmm. There were, there were in, the, in what I call the professional staff. So there were three architects or four architects who were women. And we also had a woman who was a structural engineer. So kind of a, an unusual uh, cohort of, of individuals. The other thing I'd say about 1981 is that the leadership was men uh, from very traditional household. Uh, few, mm -hmm. if any of their spouses were in any working careers. Uh, oh, some of the PMs, their spouses were, were having professional degrees, but it really not at the, at the leadership level. And our clients were primarily men. You know, clearly that's all changed. Well, thanks, Catherine, for painting that that really interesting picture. I, I think it's uh, good to note that BWBR at the time that you graduated and started was significantly higher percentage of professional women than were in your class at the university. So that that is interesting to me. Um, and then the other thing that I'll just note is looking at the NAB uh, website, uh, women graduating from with accredited architectural degrees is at 48% now. So roughly half and half. So that's, that's good to see. 
Nan and Terry, uh, what about that story resonates with you and how do your own experiences differ? Well, it's interesting because it's, it's twofold. Number one, in the uh, university I was studying in the late 1990s, early 2000s, and at that point, the there was more of that shift where it was, it, I don't know statistically if it was 50-50, but it was closer. I mean, there were quite a few women in the program. But um, my first job out of school, I will not name the firm, was still predominantly male-led, even the project managers predominantly um, men. And so my perspective as far as in my first job, I should say, in an architectural field. Um, it it was maybe somewhat similar, Catherine, in the standpoint that, that there were women in the firm, but almost all the leadership was men until in 2006 when I came to BWBR. And it was so refreshing because Catherine was one of the leaders at the firm. And I was so excited to know that there was a woman in leadership. And it really started to set the stage for what I felt as far as an opportunity and that BWBR was the right place for me. And then um, as we've noted throughout the, we've seen that transition. I mean, there's been more women added into leadership and really have grown in the firm, which is very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Nan, how about you? Well, a couple of things really resonated with me. One was when Catherine said, no offense, Nan, but she put me in a different place. I'm like, that's totally accurate because as an interior designer, which is traditionally a, a women's profession, being a woman interior designer in a male architectural world has always been sort of the second tier and not recognized as being an equal. And that has definitely shaped my experience in this field. It, things have definitely improved but we still struggle, I think, with the legacy of that viewpoint and that thinking of, you know, having interior is not quite on par, not quite as connected. And so that statement I can completely relate to. So that's probably the biggest thing that I can, I can relate to in terms of uh, what you were saying. But having mostly men as, as leaders in the company and that has definitely changed a lot as of late. Uh, but for most of my career at BWBR, it was predominantly men, you know, in leadership positions, even though uh, in interiors, for example, the majority of our staff has always been women. The leader up until recently was a man. So that was always an interesting twist, I thought. So yeah, those are some of my, my main thoughts on that. Okay. So this one, uh, this question goes out to all of you. What progress do you feel has been made and what do you think led to that progress? Catherine, could we start with you? Well, I, th I think that, you know, there certainly there are more women in, in leadership roles and I'm not, um, and in part, I think that comes because our client base also had a lot more women. You know, I think over the years, you know, the principals used to look across the table and see and see CEOs of corporations and see senior vice presidents and they were women. So all of our professions have, have started to be more inclusive. Additionally, I think, you know, at BWBR, some of the men led, led the charge on trying to be more um, uh, adaptive to their home lifestyles. You know, it was a rare man who, when I first started who would say, I need to take time off of work. Again, most of them came from rather traditional households. But when some of them started to say they needed to stay home with a sick child, 
It was very brave, but it helped some of the mothers in the office gain that support and, and give them the opportunity to be able to say the same thing. And Catherine, um, interestingly, I struggled a little bit with this question. And um, I think it's because when I joined the firm, I reaped the benefits of what those um, previous men in leadership had done is that I never felt that I had to be apologetic for taking time off to uh, to take care of my kids or be with my kids. I remember one time on a project meeting that we had a, a big client meeting, but my daughter was a little bee in the kindergarten play. And I went to a leader and said, I didn't want to miss it. And it was like, go go watch the play. And there was no, there was no guilt. There was no ramifications. It was just, you know, do what you need to do. And the project work still got done. And so I, in that regards, I'm very grateful for those individuals who led that way. Nan, anything to add here? Yeah. In terms of progress, we have definitely made strides. And I think for me, uh, the turning point was really when we started doing our equity work and that really pivoted how my experience at work, I felt able to, um, you know, we were able to finally talk about the elephant in the room and how women had been treated and felt, uh, you know, for years in a traditional, you know, environment and how that, how stifling that was and just be real about it. And it opened space for us to be able to be more ourselves and bring our full selves to work. And it made, it, it made progress just in terms of not just the feeling of the space, but in terms of responsibility being taken seriously, I think it really did help set the stage for moving in a positive direction. So that equity training was, I think, a huge, huge game changer. Yeah. And I'll just add in here, uh, before that equity training, we've been having conversations about glass ceiling and uh, Mm -hmm. various conversations throughout my entire career. And I I think, Catherine, we have you to thank for that um, initially. Um, But I remember in 2013, 2014, when Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, came Mm -hmm. out, we all got a book club together and we read that book. And I thought, oh, this is great. Um, it wasn't until we started our equity training, Nan, that you just mentioned that that it um, became so it hit me like a, a ton of bricks that that approach to equity put the onus on women to really do the work, whereas yes. the 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 later training and I think certainly um, the the work of equity now is about everyone that needs to work to create an inclusive environment. Um, and it's not just on women to create a gender equal uh, environment. And so, Catherine, I, I think your your comments about uh, men stepping up to say, hey, I can't be there today, uh, really uh, were the first part of that. Okay, well, let's move on to the next question. What uh, areas are still a struggle and what do you think can be done about them? Nan, do you want to start this off here? Yeah, I was thinking about this. And in terms of leadership and even role models for myself in our firm, and although we have a ton more women in leadership and at the upper echelons of our firm right now than we ever have before, noticeably so, when I look at it in terms of role models for me, let's say, as an interior designer, I I can see very, very few actual interior designers who are women, which we all of us at this time are women um, who have actually sort of cracked that glass ceiling in a way. We have uh, two principals who are women who 
started as interior designers. And we have two um, project managers who started as interior designers, one of which is also one of those two principles. So I do feel from the um, from looking at the inequities of architecture and interior design, I do feel like there's still some sort of a glass ceiling that we're hitting in terms of, of leadership. Yeah, absolutely, Nan. I think we still have room to, to grow there. Terry, any insights here? I think while we've made a lot of progress with our equity work and inside the firm where I'm still seeing struggles are outside the firm. Not everyone has benefited from our equity training. And I know recently um, we were, a couple of us were at a meeting and then me as the, the leader, um, the principal of the project came in with one of our project managers who happened to, who happens to be a man and the uh, CEO of the company who also happened to be a man went to the project manager and introduced himself and right away started asking about things that were more of a leadership conversation, asking about the fee and, 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 and the company and our, the project manager, um, he just looked a little uncomfortable, wasn't sure how to handle it. But I mean, I interjected, interjected myself and, and um, introduced myself and, and things were fine, but it was a little awkward there mm-hmm. at the beginning. Interestingly enough, and I don't know outside of the firm, I still see that as well. We uh, we recently had some work done on our house and the contractor came and was talking about some finishes and was talking to my husband and he just kept saying, she's the architect. I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's mm-hmm. there's work, there's room for improvement. That happened to Don and I one time. We walked in, <laughs> we walked into a meeting with a new, actually it was the, the owner of, of the building and he, he presumed that I was the interior designer and that Don was the, nope. the architect and the project manager. So it's an old story. And I took great delight in telling him, no, not. <laughs> it brings up another weirdness about the interior design and architecture piece, because it's almost like shameful to be an interior designer. And I know that's not the intent at all. No. But there is a weird... Uh, I can't put my finger on that dynamic, but there is a weird dynamic about women architects who want to like defend that they're an architect. I totally get that. And I'm behind that. And I agree with that feeling. And yet at the same time, as an interior designer, I'm like, how does that, what is that saying about our, our, our culture and our industry? Like, what is that? And I, I know from my inner inner work, um, when we started our equity work, I I have done a lot of exploration. Okay. What is that? When I get that feeling, because I've been out on a job site and the contractor assumes I'm an interior designer, I immediately get defensive. And, and so I have, I have really tried to get to a place where I'm thinking about the interior design profession as something that is, uh, on an equal playing field. Um, and, and that takes work because my mm-hmm. conditioning is okay. such that it's, it, it, it hasn't been. Um, so that, that takes some rewiring yeah. of my synapses. Yeah. We've all been conditioned that way. Even, even us interior designers. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great point. In thinking about this little piece we just talked about, I, I do think it's a super interesting thing about women and how women have also been subjected to sexist society and all of us kind of have been brought up to believe certain things. And that that is actually a really nuanced like thing that 
tradition, you know, that may, maybe you don't normally think about or talk about on, you know, while you're celebrating women's achievements and stuff, but I think it's a really, yeah, I do too. I, and I think a valid, important dynamic. And I think it's a bit meta, like, um, it's, 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 uh, diving deeper into this issue than just celebrating how awesome we are. So definitely. Well, let's move on to the next question. What particular things can firms do to promote and support women and clear away these barriers? I was reading an article recently, and this was um, talking about the industry, just the architectural industry, architect design industry. We'll put it that way. Cause it wasn't specific on architecture or interiors. It was design. It's, it's our profession. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about women and they were talking about one of the things that while society is moving towards, you know, the, the gender parity and it's gender equity is, is becoming, I don't want to say a buzz, but, but more and more people are kind of coming on board with it. We're seeing it like you, it's Catherine had mentioned other firms are making comments or other companies have senior leaders that are now women. And we're seeing that becoming more prevalent. We have our first uh, woman vice president, you know, things are starting to change just out there in the world. But one thing that they commented on is that where there seems to be a holdup in maybe some of the professional worlds, and particularly in design, is the the disparity when it comes to care. And in the idea that traditionally, whether women still do predominantly more of the care, not just child care, it's, you know, parental care and all that. And there was a study that was done that in societies where, where that care is more supported women tend to be more in leadership roles. And I don't know, it could be supported, whether it's supported through like some of our parental leave or some of those kind of things, but also just supported as far as encourage where people don't have to be apologetic. They don't get penalized if they take time off from work to take care of a a parent or something of that nature. And, and that there was a big awareness that in societies, it seems like whether the state or government promoted it or whether it was just part of their culture to not judge people for taking time off to take care of other individuals because predominantly women still do that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just, I found that kind of interesting because I don't know how that translates into what we do, but I think we're, we're, we're becoming more and more aware of it with some of our equity work. Absolutely, Terry. And I think one of the small things that we've done here at BWBR just recently is uh, that we have uh, shifted our parental leave from two weeks to four weeks. So that's something that we're excited about. Nan, anything you want to jump in with here? One word that comes to mind when you were talking, Terry, is value. Like cultures or governments that value that care work, it has it has esteem, it has value, it has it's legit. Whereas we we tend to think of it, it we meaning our culture tends to think of it as sort of a lowly, like almost not important thing or just like, you know, someone who's important doesn't spend their time on it or something. So the word value is what I kept thinking when you were talking. Well, let's um, move on to a slightly different topic. Uh, Who were your mentors? Who inspired you? Who supported you in your respective careers? And and what did that look like? Catherine, can we start with you? Well, certainly there were many um, who looked out for me. You know, I, I, within BWBR, there, there was for people like Larry Rowe who always found, particularly early in my career, before I was even able to ask for different roles or different responsibilities, he looked out for me and he assigned me to, to some interesting projects. And, and I, I feel like I had an angel on my shoulder and it was, and it was very, very uh, genuine on his part. And I am certainly appreciated. 
There weren't a lot of women, you know, that that I would say mentored or or, or I looked to. Although I do, I will say because I I knew I was going to be asked this question. Katie Colbeck from Dunham really inspired me. When you hear her story of how she, you know, um, came into be came into Dunham and how she really helped craft the Dunham that it is today, that was to me that was a very inspiring story, and I. I I look to her, to that story, and, and really appreciate it. So when I think about this, I think about uh, sort of the different phases in my education and career. And I think from inspired, um, when I was in uh, college at the University of Illinois in Chicago, I was fortunate enough that Zaha Hadid was one of the guest professors there. And I was blown away. I mean, to to have a woman who is of her character and creativity and and then just being a woman who started her own firm in the 1980s it was just really inspiring as a young person in the profession you know just just trying to get my degree so that that's probably the person who most inspired me um but then as far as like support throughout my career I've been really blessed Catherine mentioned to have both men and women that have have supported me throughout my career Um, when I started I actually started working as an architect for the U.S. Army in Germany and um, I'm gonna give him kudos Jonathan Winkler was awesome I was 22 years old and he believed I could do anything and supported everything that I um, that I tried and even pushed me harder than I even knew I could go as far as what I could do in the role of an architect and then when I came back, I've had many wonderful people that have supported me throughout my career. And um, two are actually on this in on this uh, talk or podcast with us. I remember, Stephanie probably doesn't remember this, but the first time I ever met her, she was leading the women in construction. I was at my old firm and I was so impressed that a woman was leading it. And then when I came to BWBR and you were here, I was uh, blown away that I got to work with you after meeting you that one time. <laughs> a few years before I came. And then Catherine, like I mentioned before, having such a great role model in a leadership position and being able to work with you on a couple of projects, I was just really fortunate and, and I'm grateful for those opportunities. Well, I've had lots of mentors and supporters, of course, over the years. And it, when I think of role models, I, again, as I mentioned before, there aren't a ton of people in my position who have gone up the ranks at BWBR, but I do feel like I've had probably my biggest supporters have come from my peers and have really uh, given me the the strength and the courage and the, you know, handholding or whatever you want to call it to persevere and keep going. And so when I think of support and role models, I really kind of think of my peers. Okay. So this, uh, the, our last question here, what advice do you each have for young folks starting out in our profession? Architects, interior designers, everybody. Would I say to my nieces and nephews, what I would say to any young person entering any profession, be a student of the game. Learn from your peers. Watch what they do. Learn what to do. Learn what not to do. And then find a way to be you within what you've learned. I think it's really, really important. Um, but be, a, be, be someone who just looks for learning opportunities everywhere. And it's the subtlest things. It's not something major often. It's very, very subtle. Yeah, thank you. 
Interesting, Catherine, because I had I, this one I actually gave thought to on my list was be curious, which builds up of what you had because it's the best way to grow and learn. Yeah. And and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, that's another way that we learn and, and we all make mistakes. And, and then just to follow your passion and be true to yourself. The people who succeed are the ones who are genuine. You two both said that very, very well. And uh, my beliefs are you know, exactly in the same camp of both of yours and, you know, really believing in yourself, asking for help when you need it, being curious and bringing yourself to, to the game. I think that those are hugely important and yeah, we're all really consistent in our message here. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all so much for your time and insights. I love hearing firsthand stories about other people's experience And this kind of conversation can do so much to open minds to different perspectives and help us all apply more of an equity lens to our everyday work. This has been Side of Design from BWBR, brought to you without any paid advertisements or commercials. If you found value in what you've heard today, give us a like, leave us a comment, or better yet, share us with your network. You can also reach out to us if you'd like to share an idea for a show or start a discussion. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com.